Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First Attempt Podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys. Powered by SB Nation, I am Tony Catalina alongside my guy, my right-hand, Aiden Davis. And uh, Aiden, um, your Texas Longhorns, man, we talked about it before. They they didn't make it to the promised land. I feel partly responsible. Um, you know, I know it's the Cowboys podcast, but what's your initial thoughts on your Longhorns getting bounced out in the March Madness? This is, it's my curse. I was, I was starting to get too cocky. I started believing that maybe, just maybe, I could witness a meaningful championship. And that isn't the case. So it's we've now officially reached the point in the season where I'm have nothing to look forward to other than NFL football starting back up again. I guess the Masters is a nice little break, but after the Masters ends, it's like I, I'm not a big baseball guy, so I'm pretty much done. Is that you're? I guess you you're big on baseball, so I guess it's a yeah. little bit different from you. You still got sports to go. Yeah, I mean, I like baseball. I mean, I like the Red Sox and. So that'll be fun to kind of pass the time, but you're right. I mean, it's, we're both football guys. We both do this for the fun of it. And you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it would have been good because I think you more than me, even in a lot of people, because you went to Texas, like you have a real connection to that. Like I just happened to be born in the state and that's why I'm a fan of the Red Sox, but that's why the Cowboys are so unique to me in the sense that like, I didn't choose the cow, like the, I chose the Cowboys. They didn't choose me. You know what I mean? So it's like, I've been a Cowboys fan all my life. It wasn't the easy route to go the Patriots way, but um, yeah, it's tough. So I guess from what I heard from what you say is it's, it's not a good thing to, to give up hope. You should be hopeless, right? When it comes to rooting for our sports teams, there should be no hope involved. Yeah. I mean, I just started hope is one, like I was hopeful that the Cowboys or that the Cowboys would win a Super Bowl this year. I wasn't cocky about it. I was getting to the point where I was getting cocky about the Texas Longhorns winning March Madness because I was like, man, we're the two seed. Nobody else like the next highest seed is four. We're chilling. We're that we should yeah. be the favorites right now. Like we're going to win this thing. And I don't I have no reason to be cocky about winning in sports ever. And so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I can't be cocky about anything. So, yeah, no, that's I, my head started getting too big. You said something that kind of reminded me, like, I can't tell you how many times where people that aren't like family friends or people that I meet in passing, whether at a bar or just in a social setting, they're like, they, I can't tell you how many times people be like, and why are you a Cowboys fan? You know what I mean? Like it just, I'm going to hit them with the, you know, America's team, you know, I was born in the nineties. So it's like, nobody has to wonder why you're a Longhorns fan or a Cowboys fan or why I'm even a Red Sox fan, but it's just like, oh, you're a Cowboys fan. Why then? Because they haven't been good for like a quarter century. So like, what are you still doing? And I'm like, I'm just too loyal, man. That's probably the problem. <laughs> what was it like? What's the perception of cowboy fans in new England? Do people like give you crap about it? Or are they like, we're, we just spent the last two decades with 
winning, so you root for whatever team you want. Have you ever seen the movie Shutter Island? Yeah. So like Patriots fans are like Shutter Island <laughs> to Cowboys fans. So like they don't they talk about Cowboys fans and don't think that they're exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like they don't realize yep. that they're on the case trying to solve their own. So, you know, that's what that's what it is. Like Patriots fans talk to me like they're like um, like what's his name? Leo DiCaprio in that movie. So I'm just that's the best way to describe it. They're delusional and they talk to me like I'm delusional. And it's it's funny, but um, I digress. You know, it's it comes with the territory when you're a Cowboys fan and even more so when, you know, we're very public or maybe me more than anything. I'm super on social media and stuff. Um, I know you're kind of in the you kind of lay low a little bit. You come and drop nuggets and, and facts and just and kind of get away from it. Me, I'm like in the trenches a little bit more, but I guess that comes with the territory and the bullseye on my back. I can't do... Every time I send something out on social media, I'm always... I'm not scared about the reaction, but I'm always... There are people... I recognize that there are people that know a lot more about the Cowboys than me, so I'm always like... Is this even? I don't know. I I only post on social media unless I'm a hundred percent confident and a hundred percent guaranteed. Like I know this take is right. It might not end up panning out, but I'm like I believe in this take a hundred percent. I don't like posting if I don't a hundred percent believe in the take, which leads me not to post a lot. Yeah, I think there's a vetting process online because you know there is no like real edit button. I'm not paying for Twitter like blue. So <laughs> Twitter there's no yeah, there is no edit button for me and for yourself. So um when you say something, you almost want to be absolutely correct. And when I see like a typo or something, I get mad at myself. But um but yeah, you're right. You get on Twitter and you say something, you gotta like stand on it because it's not yeah. going anywhere. People are screenshotting it. So yeah, you do gotta kind of proofread everything you put out there. But that's all right, Aiden. You sold yourself short because I think you're one of the smartest Cowboys fans I know. Um I, I should know because we do a podcast multiple a week together. So I definitely know you know your stuff. So don't sell yourself short there. Um but with the Cowboys, you know, here's the spin on this, right? Here's me, my hosting abilities. The Cowboys have not sold short. They haven't sold us short this year. <laughs> they have signed another piece, another key piece to make us feel good. And we're going to start off the show talking about Jonathan Hankins, how the Cowboys have re-signed and brought back Jonathan Hankins on a one-year deal. I mean, for $1.5 million is what it's being reported around there. So um, as far as getting a guy that is valued, a guy that they traded for last year back in the fold for that type of money, you have to feel really good about it. And um, I'm assuming that's how you feel, Aiden. Yeah, I'm... I'll let you have your spotlight on this one because we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now where we've been very in on the Cowboys re-signing Hankins. In fact, we can go back to the first episode we recorded this offseason where we were going through priorities and we both agreed Hankins was a big priority from day one, but you were banging the table more than most. So <laughs> I want you to have your spotlight right now and give Jerry Jones his flowers. If Listen, you will. yeah, I'll hand deliver him. I'll deliver him some flowers. This was a move that was absolutely necessary. A move that um, I think everybody understood that they had to make or try to make happen. And I know there were some kind of, it was contentious a little bit where people weren't sure if it was going to happen. I'm glad that they were able to find a way to make it work. This is really favorable money contract one year to get him on the team. Uh, but just on the field, the X's and O's, there was a significant drop-off when him and Leighton Van Dash weren't on the field. Um, you could just see it, how they played the run game. It wasn't as stout. You know, they're kind of getting gashed a little bit. And having him in the middle is only going to help even the second level, like we just talked about with Leighton Van Dash. Like, this move helps the linebacker room. This room, this helps the the front seven. Um, I feel really good about Jonathan Hankins. He's a big guy, a guy that they haven't had in here for a long time. That's why they felt the need they had to trade for it last year. So um, this is one of those moves that 
that it's probably not going to get the big ESPN flash or the NFL network like ticker. That's like super important, but this is a move that everybody that pays attention to the Cowboys knew that this had to be done. Yeah. To me, this is the, for the amount we just signed Hankins for, it's the equivalent of what we signed Leighton Vanderesh for last year, where you're right. It's not a signing that's really going to raise eyebrows, but you're getting him at such an unbelievable value. I mean, you're spending, it's like that we're getting, we're, nearing the vet minimum on this deal and you get a guy who's going to be playing probably in the ballpark of 40 percent of snap 40 to 50 percent of snaps at that d tackle position and you're right when him and Leighton Vanderesh are on the field at the same time that run defense is completely different and now we get an entire season of those two on the field at the same time which we didn't get in 2022 it seemed like I mean we signed obviously signed Hankins halfway through the year and then Vanderesh went out so you really only see saw those two together and although the, I, I get it, they play completely different positions. It was night and day when Hankins and Van Der Esch were on the field together. I mean, you have Hankins great causing havoc up front, and that allows Leighton Van Der Esch. He's not a block shedder, and that has never been his strength. But if you, if Hankins can open up a hole for him, Leighton Van Der Esch is going to make the tackle. And so to me, this is a huge signing. Without a doubt. And if you think, you know, I'm thinking I've been thinking about 2023 a lot. And obviously the Cowboys are much more forward thinking in the sense that everything they do, they have an eye for the future as well. It's why they um, they hit, you know, and they do well in the draft and roster construction is one thing that gets praised every once in a while from people. Um, but my biggest thing is um, this also sets up them to kind of do what they want in the draft, right? Like outside of maybe guard, offensive guard, there isn't a, a, a glaring say like, hey, we need to attack this like immediately, right? Like they Brandon Cooks, Stefan Gilmore, all these guys that they brought in, um, it's been, you know, such of a breath of fresh air for this year to kind of get us to a spot where, okay, 2023, we can walk into this draft. We can walk into the season knowing that we have a team that can go out there and play well. And and what we do in the draft is almost like, you know, cherry on top. So Hankins is another piece to that puzzle that I just feel really good about them move forward. Yeah. And I com- I'm completely with you where Hankins is a big signing. I still wouldn't mind. And if they were aggressive in the draft with, I mean, we're talking about an early day two pick on a defensive interior player because I defensive tackle has been a position that the Cowboys have ignored for a very long time, both by free agency draft assets. I mean, Osa's kind of become a cornerstone of this defensive tackle rotation. We got him in what? He was a third, fourth round pick. Yeah, right around. I mean, he was third round. So he was essentially the highest draft capital he've used on a defensive tackle in a very long time. And so I'd, I'd still like it if they prioritize defensive interior because if you can shut down the run, I mean, we've already talked about the secondary. You're not passing on this team. I love our defensive end rotation. If you can just shore up that interior de- defensive tackle position, this is, we're getting into, this defense is going to be, and there's nothing you can do against this defense. If they start stopping the run, the Cowboys have no flaws on defense. You know, for me, this is when we start talking like this, because I agree with you. And I think most people feel really good about the way this team has come together so far in free agency and what we're looking at 2023. This is where I get like that nerves about injuries, right? Because then you start talking about like the pit of your stomach. It's like, man, on paper, what we've seen, you know, two back to back 12 and five seasons where 
you know, 12 and five, and we still feel like they underachieved. So what if they came into this year healthy and didn't underachieve? What if they overachieved? Then we're talking about a team that has real Super Bowl aspirations. So then I get the sick feeling. I'm like, man, I hope everybody's healthy. I hope, you know, you always wait for the training camp and you're getting all these videos from the beat writers. And you're like, please, everybody stay clean, everybody on their feet. So um, <laughs> that's a good feeling. Instead of sitting here being like, man, I really wish they would make this X, Y, and Z move. Now we're just like, stay healthy. We have a good team. We have a team we really like. I mean, one thing I will say is the Cowboys, like, granted, there were no, like, long-term... No, you know, I'll say the Cowboys were not on... I would say they were on the negative side of injuries last year. I mean, Anthony Brown went down for the entire season. We lost Jordan Lewis halfway through. Obviously, you have Dak Prescott missing the first six games of the season. They, I think the, the 2022 Cowboys showed that Mike McCarthy's group, it's a resilient group. They can win with players going down. I mean, we just talked about Lane Van Der Esch went down at the end of the year. Michael was hobbled essentially for the entire season. I mean, they've powered through injuries. Obviously, we could spend hours talking about the way that they had to reshuffle that offensive line. This Mike McCarthy team, they know how to play through injuries, and they just know how to keep adjusting on the fly, which I think is an incredibly underrated aspect of what he was able to do last year. Totally agree. You totally like you, you, it's like a law of averages in football, right? I think probably in more sport than anything, you know, any other sport is. You know, some days, some years, you're really on the uh, the good side of injuries. Some days you're like on the 2021. Bad. Right. Exactly. You know, it, yeah. it, it just all equals out anyway. Right. And it ends up being, you know, it comes out in the wash. But if they can stay baseline, just average, you know, try to manage it. They have a really good training staff and people feel really good about the Cowboys handling injuries and how they kind of do that. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because it's all about depth. It's all about having the talent they have there and to kind of pivot that to you know, another kind of topic, another situation is the depth here is it's good that they brought Jonathan Hankins back because Carlos Watkins will not be back. And Carlos Watkins signed a deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Carlos Watkins came in, filled a role, did, you know, I think, I believe he was in and off, you know, pr- practice squad a bunch last year. And that's just the Cowboys using roster tricks to kind of keep him because he's a, he's a, a 53 man roster type of player. They were just using him. That's how deep they are in the defensive line. But initially, how do you feel about that? Is the, is the blow of losing Carlos Watkins? And I say that like loosely the blow of losing him even better because we have Hankins in the fold now. It's yeah. I mean, if we hadn't signed Hankins, cause this, these two pieces of news essentially came out at the, at the exact same time. If you're like me, who doesn't like, wasn't monitoring Twitter that close. I literally saw the Hankins and the Watkins news essentially at the exact same time. And so it was, yeah, I definitely, the us signing Hankins definitely eased the blow. I will say I've always been on the train that I think Carlos Watkins was an incredibly underrated player for us. I loved Watkins and I really wanted to see his usage increase in 2022. Like you said, that didn't really happen. He was banned. He was, we were, we were working this weird game where it seemed like what defensive tackle is going to end up on the practice squad this week. What defensive tackle who conceivably would be starting for another team is going to end up on the practice squad. And so I'm disappointed to see Carlos Watkins go because I do think he's going to see a lot of success in Arizona because I don't know I just Carlos Watkins is like was is like my Leighton Vanderesh where like I'm like I just believe in him and I believe in the talent and I think where whatever he does next he's going to shine so it hurts but seeing as how they used him in 2022 I didn't really I don't I couldn't see his usage increasing in 2023 and so that's why I wasn't really banging the drum for him to come back yeah and you know 
when you talk about Carlos Watkins, he reminds me a lot of like a guy like Connor McGovern, you know, somebody that like you yeah. would like to have in the fold, but you're deep enough and you're talented enough and you're going to draft well enough that, you know, it stinks to lose him, but you're going to be able to make up for that. You're going to be able to find guys and kind of fit those pieces, but you're absolutely right. Carlos Watkins served a purpose, served a role, played his role really well here. And, um, you know, you're thankful for that and thankful for that time. But ultimately kind of before we change gears here and, and get to a different topic, I want to ask you, because of the Jonathan Hankins, it's not like a bow on it, but you, you, you know, we're through free agency now. It's been about what, three, four weeks at this point. Yep. Um, are you what are you looking at draft wise? Let's kind of reset the picture a little bit here. Are you are you pressing for something in the first round? Are you letting the board fall to you? And like, do you have a type of strategy in your mind if you were Jerry Jones and them? I mean, I trust the thing is, is I'm gonna go in the draft. If we Will McClay does a great job about selecting best player available. And so if that best player available is a corner, if that best player available is I don't know, uh I don't want to say tight end or running back. No tight end or, or running back. But if the best player available is any other position on the field, I'm going to be comfortable with it. The one thing I will say is if I was in this position, it would be really hard for me not to go either wide receiver or offensive guard here. I just think like if you can add another piece to that wide receiver core and really shore that group up and give Dak Prescott help, it would be huge. Similarly, if a guy like Avia is on the board, and like there's no receivers that you're comfortable with, it would be a I that's the direction I'd be going. So to me, I'd like to see them go receiver offensive guard in the first round, but I trust Will McClay if they decide to go best player available at a position that's not those. Yeah. And so I agree. In in totality, I believe in best player available and that being the strategy, how to go forward. Um, it comes with a caveat, right? Obviously, they we've seen them lean towards need sometimes. And we may have saw it last year with Tyler Smith, where I think they believe yeah. more in Tyler Smith than other people. It ended up working out and, you know, they trusted their scouting team and their process and how they got to that. But when you looked at the board, you're like, man, like there it looks like there are better prospects on the board here for them to take. So it felt like a reach at the time. But I'm comfortable sitting here saying they've done enough to be good in 2023, but doesn't stop them from anything 2024 on. So if they still want to go cornerback wide receiver round one, round two, I'm down. You know what I mean? I'm in. So like yep. I, I Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cook's going to really help in 2023. And even in Cook's situation, I believe into 2024, but it doesn't stop me from adding pieces. It doesn't stop me from adding guys that I think can help. And, and that's the beauty of how they handled this off season. I know this is always their plan and their plan is to always attack off season like this, but they've done it with actual like, playmakers and people that can make an impact instead of just plug in guys. So um, I guess if you're looking at anything to be nitpicky, I would probably say like, let's find a guard early. You know what I mean? If we can yeah. go Cyrus <laughs> Torrance or, you know, Avila in the, one of the first rounds, which to me feels like a little bit of a reach, but at the same time, if they're there, and you can sure it up and you have literally no holes in your team. Like, I think there can be a, a conversation to be had there. I am in the camp though of, I don't need to run a back tight end early. We don't, we don't need to do that. There's a yeah. lot of data to show you lately that first round tight ends don't really pan out all that. Well, it's, it was actually interesting. And I want to shout the Kyle humans, a friend of the show and the draft show. They were talking about it over at DallasCowboys.com a couple of weeks ago that the second round, third round tight ends, 
have product produced a lot better than first round tight ends coming out as of late. Like it was just a really fascinating stats. Like, man, every tight end that's came out in the first round has been worse than the second round guys or worse than the third round guys. So uh, we don't need to reach. It, it depends on value. I understand that there's always smoke and mirror and everything like that this time of year. And we'll see what actually happens. But um, I think me and you are in lockstep there. Hypothetical question for you. Let's say the Cowboys go wide receiver at pick 26. So they, they're deciding between a guy like, I don't know, let's say Zay Flowers and Steve Avia are still on the board at 26. They go Zay, they go with Zay Flowers. Avila, Avila falls to, let's say, halfway through the second round. Would you be okay giving up your third, the third round pick to move up and take Avila, Avila in the second round? I would because I think Zay Flowers is that guy that you'll really feel an impact for over the next five years. And Avila is, could be a plug-and-play left guard. You know what I mean? So yeah. now you got Tyler Smith and Avila for the next three or four years. You don't even got to think about it, right? And then you feel really good about Terrence Steele and his future prospects or whatever they decide to do. Um, it just you're getting some youth and some size and some strength there. So yeah, I mean, understand that it probably wouldn't be the most yeah, you know, it'd be a situation where I think half the fan base would probably be a little upset about it, but they're but they're attacking and being aggressive. So I'll never fault the team for trying to do that. That's my like I've been seeing a lot of mocks where Avila falls somewhat deep in the second round, not to the Cowboys pick in the second round. I don't think I've seen, I mean, based off the mocks I've seen, Avila rarely makes it to like halfway through through the second round. But if he's still on the board, I'd be completely comfortable giving up my third round pick if we obviously didn't go offensive guard in the first round because that's two players that like you said they're going to make day one impacts and if you're like if we just leave the draft with a wide receiver and a guy like a villain in the second round i'm comfortable with it yeah you feel good about it and um i think uh i'm super excited about it because they've put themselves in a position to let us see how this is going to unfold and and possibly come out of this feeling really good about it so um, i'm excited yep. to see how it goes i'm you know blogging the boys all of us will have coverage you know i'll probably be on it all weekend and i'm sure aiden will stop by at some point um but yeah so that's that's pretty fun and speaking of the draft we um we're going to talk about the top 30 visits and some of the workouts here we'll kind of initially talk about this it's not you know big news or anything like that but we were just talking about a wide receiver cowboys worked out laquan Treadwell with the Dallas Day workout guys. Any initial thoughts on that? How do you feel about it? Is that it doesn't really move the needle for you? Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries... AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? 
political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I'd be, I'd actually be somewhat not happy. I'd be, I'd raise an eyebrow about LaCroix Treadwell joining the Cowboys because like we talked about last week, right now we have our three receivers, Brandon Cook, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and then a whole bunch of question marks and like, like question marks followed by exclamation points because like it's Dennis Houston. I we've seen some of him. We've seen him flash in preseason. Dak seems to have a connection with him, but we've never seen it during the regular season. Jalen Tolbert's a huge question mark at this point. And so then you're starting to like, there's nobody that you can, you're really comfortable with at this point. Like Noah Brown, for all his credit, at least he had NFL experience. The Cowboys really don't have NFL experience on this roster outside of their three starting receivers. And so bringing a guy like Treadwell, no, he's not going to be competing with Gallup for that third wide receiver role, but at least it's a veteran experience that you're bringing in. Like, I think the Cowboys do need to add somebody at wide receiver other than the conceivable rookie that they're going to draft at some point um, in April. So I, I'm i fine with the vet, like Treadwell. Yeah, so I, I feel similarly, right? Like, I'm not, it's not moving mountains for me, but I'm intrigued by it. Um, much like a friend of the show, David Hellman, who came on, um, Laquan Treadwell was somebody that he was banging the drum for early on during his rookie, you know, his draft process. Laquan Treadwell was somebody I thought was like my favorite that class too. We were both clearly wrong and the draft clearly didn't go that way for him in a good manner. But um, to bring him in and possibly be that fourth wide receiver, somebody that can give you some juice. Um, I'm interested. You know what I mean? I'm interested to see what could happen. I'm, nothing seems to be imminent at this point. Now we are recording this on Saturday for it to be released Monday morning, like a normal time slot. So if anything happens with, you know, anything Cowboys related in the next 24 hours, um, we'll have you covered, but it probably won't be us to be actually get to touch on that. But I say right now, nothing's imminent on there with Lacan Treadwell, but I'd be interested in that, you know, and it kind of tells me that they're not going to just sit on their hands now that they've done some things and gotten some applause from the, from the fan base still being aggressive in roster, you know, trying to churn it and see if they can get some some people in there. So I feel good about it. I'm happy about that. And um, kind of will pivot to the, the main reason why we started this topic. Quick with the question. Top- yeah, go ahead. For you. I just, just uh, this, once again, another question that I don't, there's not much of a point to it because like we said, the Cowboys are going to draft somebody, but just for fun, who would you say right now is a Cowboys wide receiver for like the names would be conceivably Kevante Turpin, Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fajoko, Antonio Callaway, Dontario Drummond, or Dennis Houston. Like who would you say is the wide receiver for my first initial thought would probably be Simi Fajoko. Oh, you know? right. Yeah. No, I, feel I think you. my thought, it might be Kevante Turpin. I mean, yeah. Yeah, at least he like, I don't like I just don't know who your wide receiver four is right now. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you look at it and Kevante Turpin's probably get the most juice, but is he the most polished wide receiver? He came on our show and told us he wants to be in that role. But can you yep. do enough to show that role? Right. So uh, that's interesting. And I I think this is the make or break year for Simi Fajoko. He's either going to make this team or get cut in training camp in my mind. Like Simi Fajoko is in year three and hasn't done a thing yet. So I'm very intrigued to see what he can do.
outside like of how many combined NFL receptions do those six names have outside of Antonio Callaway, who's he's played on the Browns, but like out those names of those six names, I think that are a dozen out of Turpin, Tolbert, Fajoko, Drummond, and Houston. I think it might be under 10 combined yeah. career receptions. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. No, you're right. And you know what? It's, I, I didn't forget about this, but Antonio Callaway has been productive in this league. His issues has. have been off the field, right? His issue has been staying within, you know, focused and locked on a team. If he can show his talent, he he might just be the number wide receiver for wide receiver right here. I mean, he's, he's he might shown be right. it in Cleveland. So He's, I think, you know what? I might have to write an article about this, and RJ is going to listen and be like, yeah, definitely write an article about this. But maybe Antonio Callaway is the dark horse fourth wide receiver here. Maybe I'm putting that in the universe. We'll find out July. We'll find out August. But Antonio Callaway, man, I got the wheels turning in my brain about that. But <laughs> before we get too far <laughs> off into the into the conspiracy theory here, um, we're going to talk about some of the known names that the Cowboys are going to have for top 30 visits. Now, for people that don't understand how this works, the Cowboys get to have 30 people on their campus and these are like official visits, breakdown, really get the in-depth conversation with these guys. And it's and they're valuable because, like I mentioned, you only get 30 of them. You know, they're probably 200 prospects you want to talk to, but you can only bring 30 in. Go ahead in. Yeah, and in case for any listener who's not aware, the Cowboys really value these 30. Like in terms of the players that the Cowboys select, it's a lot of times, especially in later rounds, it's just names off this top, these 30 visits. They love the to draft based off the 30 visits. Yeah, absolutely right. This is it, and that's why I say it's it's pivotal for a lot of teams, but it's like essential for the Cowboys. Like this is like their Bible. If they bring these guys in, they've seen enough that they want to bring them in their building. You can kind of set your watch to them taking at least a couple of these guys every draft. Um, so with that being said, the Cowboys, um, fifteen names we have right now. Blogging the boys is running a total. Like I said, where um, this is Saturday. We're recording this. If anything changes, Blogging the boys will update you, and this will be updated. But as we speak right now. The 15 names are Quentin Johnson, from wide receiver from TCU, Emmanuel Forbes, the quarterback from Mississippi State, Josh Downs, wide receiver from North Carolina, Steve Avila, O'Lyman from TCU, Jaqueline Roy, from uh, D-tackle from LSU, Zach Evans, running back from Ole Miss, Tyreek Stevenson, court, uh, cornerback Miami, Marte Mapu, a linebacker safety from Sacramento State, Antonio Mafi, a lineman from UCLA, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver from Ole Miss, Braden Willis, tight end Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Tanner McAllister, safety Ohio State, Clayton Toon, quarterback Houston, Payne Durham, tight end Purdue, and finally Tyler Lacey, D lineman from Oklahoma State. Now there are some big names there. There's obviously some big big names at the top. And there are some interesting people in there looking as well, Aiden. When you see this list initially, what first pops out at you? The main thing that pops out to me is, number one, the Cowboys aren't done, at least in Jerry's mind. And this is really encouraging to see. And I think all of us knew, but I wanted that confirmation. The Cowboys aren't done adding receivers. If you look at the positions of everybody that Tony just named, the most common position is receiver. The most intriguing name on this list Man, I'm starting to get hope. I think there might be a real chance that Quentin Johnson falls to the Cowboys at 26. Now, I'm not saying I don't think it's higher than 50%. I don't think it's probable that Quentin Johnson falls to the Cowboys. But when we started this draft season, I'd say the odds were like 2%, 2 we weren't even 3%. Talking about him. Yeah, yeah. We were like, okay, that's a foregone conclusion that Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison are going to be off the board by the cow by the time the Cowboys are drafting. The fact that they're bringing him for a top 30 visit tells me that the smoke around, oh, people are starting to lose faith that Quentin Johnson's going to be drafted high, that's real. 
And I think that we have to consider the possibility about Quentin Johnson following the Cowboys. Now, granted, I still think it's like probably 20%, 30% chance Quentin Johnson gets to us at 26, but it's significantly higher than it was at the beginning of the draft season. Yep, you're right. Uh, you know, of the 15 names, three of them are wide receivers, like you said, was the majority of the of the guys. So um, that's pretty interesting to look at. That. The other two were Josh Downs, who is a ball player from North Carolina himself. Like Josh Downs is a stud. Um, there's a lot of conversations of him sneaking into the first round himself. If he's there at 58, which I don't know how or if they're, I mean, every everybody says that. You know, I saw a funny tweet the other day. It was like there's 45 min, uh, names that are a lock to be first round pick. So it's it's funny how you talk about somebody like they won't be there. They won't won't be there but the realistic possibility is when these quarterbacks move up better players move down so you know the Cowboys are going to get a chance to draft some people you we probably originally didn't think they could um and I look at some of these guys like Tyreek Stevenson from the cornerback from Miami um started his career at Georgia that's why I'm familiar with this game the kid um obviously Georgia's you know got talent all over the place but he went to Miami you know carved out a nice niche for him probably a middle guy, probably second, third, fourth round guy. Um, you feel really good about his him being and stepping in this role and kind of cornerback. I mean, if you're going to bring him in a room with Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore and kind of learn the ropes, I think that's a good guy to, you know, kind of bring in there. And Emmanuel Forbes is kind of goes against everything the Cowboys um, draft because he's skinny, he's slight, <laughs> but, he, but he's long, right? So, you know, Dan yeah. Quinn might say like, hey, we can bring this guy in and you know, we can build up the frame, but he's got the length. So um, definitely some interesting names here. What is, um, what do you see most from here? I know you see the wide receivers are the most, but is there, is there something else that's kind of telling to you like, okay, maybe Clayton Toon looking at a quarterback. Are you surprised there isn't more quarterbacks? What, what are you kind of looking at here? Actually, one thing that I really like is there are three names that are not on here. And now granted, it's only 15 names right now. So we could grow, it could, when we hear the rest of the remaining 15, they could be included. But three names that I really like the fact that they're not on here, Bijan Robinson, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Meyer. I don't like the fact that the Cowboys aren't even, as of right now, haven't even brought these conceivably what is believed to be the first round tight ends and the first round running backs that would follow the Cowboys at 26. That gives me a lot of hope that they're not going to make that decision, that they're going to make the right decision and avoid running back slash tight end in the first round. And so that's actually what stands out most to me is the fact that, I mean, we talked about earlier on the show, it seems like Jerry's going to make the right move here, not go with those two positions. Hopefully those names don't pop up in the remaining 15. Help, help me, help me not burst your bubble here, but because he played at Texas, would he be a Dallas day guy? So you wouldn't have to use a top 30 because yeah, you're right. So yeah. Listen, the Bijan, okay. I know the Bijan okay. nightmare isn't lost on you yet. <laughs> At least, yeah, I guess in that case, that I you could throw Jameer Gibbs in there because I guess he Jameer Gibbs yeah. is a second round running back, but at least the Cowboys didn't bring him in. Still, Don Kincaid, oh, Michael Meyer is Michael Meyer is a uh, he's up there. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the higher um you know valued. I mean, the Payne Durham is a is a day two maybe day three tight end himself so that's like a deeper tight end so you like to see that um i'm interested to kind of antonio mafi and some of these i mean they got a couple offensive linemen out there i mean looking at steve avila we talked about him earlier in the show um there's a few guys on this list if they went you know first second round with these guys i'd be comfortable with it i mean even the zach evans the running back from Ole miss is interesting i mean he's I'd not a first round pick. guy yeah that would be awesome which round do would you feel comfortable taking zach evans in I'd be completely a hundred percent like that's a 
heck of a win is the fourth round. Okay. I think you're probably going to have to take him in the third round. Would you disagree with like the most common? No. Uh, that would, common I would disagree. Yeah. Yeah. I've most commonly seen him in the third round. And so I, I wouldn't like be devastated by it. It's still a little bit richer than where I normally would draft after running back, especially with guys like Roshan Johnson lasting to the fifth round, which is a guy that I've been banging the table on for a while now. But if we took Zach Evans in the third round, Congrats, Jerry. I think you just found your running back for the future in the third round. I love that. And correct me if I'm wrong. DeMarco Murray was a third round pick, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So DeMarco, was he a third round pick? I, I could have swore he was. I'll let you I, stall. Th- I think you're right. I, Out of for some reason, there's something in the back of my mind that's like, <laughs> was he a second round pick? Yeah, let me check. Yeah, double check that. And I'll, I'll play the, the Jeopardy music for you in the background. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so honestly, I think like if you can get a starting running back in the third round, I would feel really good about that. And if especially him, Zach Evans, the stud third round pick 71. Round yeah, pick 71. Yep. 2011, man. I remember that like it was yesterday because I was pumped. I mean, I knew he was a stud then. And, um, you know, DeMarco Murray, you know, we rewrote him into the ground, right? DeMarco Murray got used like a workhorse a lot of times. So, um, but you know, kind of pivoting off of running backs a little bit. What I'm a little intrigued to see, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised, but there's only one D tackle on there. We're talking about, um, Jaqu- I hope I'm saying his name right, Jaqueline Roy from LSU. Are you surprised? I mean, we know this team doesn't value D tackle too much, but like I would hope to see a couple on there. You know, a couple of top thirty guys that not just like the back end deals. Yeah, I mean, it's similar with the safety position. I know that there's Marte Mapu's a linebacker slash safety, but there's only one pure safety on here. That's just two positions that I don't think it matters how many years we go through this draft process. The Cowboys just aren't going to consider them in the first round. I don't know. I mean, there's to their credit, they have done a great job forming a defensive tackle rotation and a safety rotation without valuing highly in the draft or in free agency, like our safety rotation right now is absurd considering the fact that when was last high value safety we took, like even guys like Wilcox McCray, like they were, (laughs) wow. Yeah, there you go. And so, I mean, the the Cowboys just aren't going to do it. And so I'd like us to see, I mean, honestly, Roy at, He's probably about the high, the highest the Cowboys are willing to take a defensive tackle. On that'd be like third round. Fair enough. I mean, that's that's a good point. And so, like I said, it's only fifteen names. They're gonna get the thirty. They'll probably get the thirty here soon. And obviously, blogging the boys will have you covered on everything that is top thirty visits, Cowboys free agency, all that get you covered. Before I get you out of here, a little bit of small news, something that's not big deal, but uh, we were talking about it in the pre-show. Jaron Curse switching to zero now with the new rules. Um, one, do you like it? And two, if it isn't J. Ron Curse, who do you think should have been zero on this roster? Man, I, it's tough not to give it to Micah. Like, man, I, I'm there. I'm there with you. I kind of like the number zero being a smaller player. Like, you know who I actually think deserves number zero? Give it. Give me Donovan Wilson. Give me a guy who's a hard hitter that's a little bit smaller, but just a guy that's just going to lay the wood every single time he goes up against an opposing offensive player. I think Dono's our number zero. What do you think? Mm, that's not a bad idea. I, 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 honestly, it's I'm in the same vein as you, and I have no rhyme or reason for this thinking. But whenever I think about the number zero, I think about running backs and linebackers. So uh, for some really? reason, okay. I don't know why. Like I just if I, 
like Micah Parsons just would look. I thought I knew his jersey and the way it works. It just it would cost too much money to switch out of it. Eleven's probably yeah. one of the highest selling jerseys. But for Jaron Curse, it's like I don't think you can buy his jersey. So you're like, all right, I'll switch to zero. Nobody will miss a beat, and he's gonna look clean in it. But I would have loved to see like a like a Tony Pollard. And does you imagine Tony Pollard busting down the field in a zero? I think that would look cool, but. I don't know. I Donovan Wilson flying down there being like an agent zero, like Micah was saying, yep. it would be pretty cool. Him filling the hole and all you see is a big fat white uh blue zero. You know what I mean? So <laughs> no no Dak Prescott number zero. Shout that would out. be kind of crazy. <laughs> that that <laughs> I wonder if there'll be a quarterback because you always see what growing up, I mean you played you you played sports, you're from Texas, so you know high school sports down there is crazy. But if you had one or two, you were a stud. I wonder how yeah. people feel about zero. Like, you know, if you're a quarterback number zero, like I wonder how that perception or the perceived there. No, you're right. Like number one and number two were, they were the highly t- like, Oh, this, th- that's the numbers you want as a quarterback because it just looks so cool. I've never seen a quarterback wear number zero and I want to see it because I think it will look so stupid for a quarterback yeah. to wear number zero that I just have to see. please, the incoming quarterback class, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, somebody choose zero because I'd love to see it. Listen, the, the, I'll wrap it up after this. And I'll get your final thoughts. But the dumbest number I've ever seen, and this is going to show my Massachusetts roots, was Doug Flutie, number 22 in BC. When he was at Boston College, poop. The Heisman at number 22 quarterback. So that, I think that's kind of crazy. But also Sky Moore, 24, is a wide receiver. I don't like that either. Throws but, me off every time. Yep. yep. I, it's a little weird, a little different. But hey, listen. Stephon Gilmore being 21 at cornerback, that's some big shoes to step into. So I, I'm a fan of that. I think that's pretty cool. Yep. Brandon Cooks at number three. Yep. Not giving Anthony Brown. Sorry, any Anthony love. Brown. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. See you later, man. But <laughs> so that's it. That's all I got. Do you have anything else? Anything you want to add before we close it up? Well, I'll wrap it up with a question. Do you think Cowboys are done with free agency or have we put a bow on it? Do you think? There might be one or two minor signings, but is there anything that we're going to talk about on this pod free agency wise? Um, if they do anything at the guard spot, like I think they they kind of added to it. I don't think it's enough, but if they were to do one more thing at the guard spot, I would feel absolutely perfect about this free agency period. I really would. I agree. I do think like if I'm predicting it, I think the Cowboys are there's they're not going to make any more moves that we are like are worth spending Happy five about, ten yeah. minutes talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, you're probably right. And we're at that point now where they're probably shifting to draft mode anyway. Like yeah. we are as we move forward first and 10, we're going to definitely be draft focused and and any news we're going to get you up on that. But for today's episode, as you're listening to this Monday morning. So I appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great day. So from first and 10 podcast brought to you by blogging boys powered by SB Nation. I am Tony Catalina alongside Aiden Davis. Hope everybody has a great day. Peace. <laughs>